This morning's message I have entitled, Have Seen a Great Light. I have two sections that we're going to be looking at today, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2, but then also we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. Point number one is the light of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 1, this book of beginnings, the very first book in the Bible, in verse 1 of chapter 1, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God said, when the world was void and dark, He simply spoke, let there be light. And you know what happened? There was light. By God's power, He spoke light into existence. In a world, in a physical universe, in the world that it was covered, it was covered in darkness. It was void of life. God said, let there be light. There was, and that light was good. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a place of complete darkness, if you've ever uh, gone spelunking, so to speak, if you've ever gone, you know, searching in deep caves where you need, you know, artificial light in order to, uh, to see. I don't know if you've been in a place where there is just a heavy, you know, marine layer fog and you're in the forest and you can't see anything in front of you. You know, if you would like to have a glimpse of complete darkness, this is what I'd like you to do just real briefly is this, I'd have you close your eyes right now as tight as you can and then look around. You can't see anything. If you can remember, maybe when you were younger, being scared of the dark, you know, as a child, you understood how amazing it was when somebody turned the light switch on. See, this world that we live in is filled with a lot of darkness, and we're all looking for some light. You know, we call it the silver lining. The silver lining, the good in the bad, the hope in the hopeless situation, the light in the darkness. In this world, there are not a lot of things that we can find hope in. All too often, it seems that there is no light at the end of the tunnel of our situation. You know, these things seem to be magnified, especially around the holidays, at Christmas time. Maybe this Christmas season, you have found yourself in a dark place. Maybe you've gotten to the point where you've actually begun to lose hope. Maybe you just can't see any good because it's just all bad. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, it's not just the optimist that will seek to attach hope to something, it's really the survivalist as well. We need some ray of light to focus on. We try to find some good in something. And sometimes there is no good in something. It's a lot like a Christmas fruitcake. Some people believe there is no good to be found in a Christmas fruitcake. You remember the original Tonight Show host and comedian, Johnny Carson, said this, and I quote, the worst gift is a fruitcake. There is only one fruitcake in the entire world, and people keep sending it to each other, end of quote. I mean, those aren't my personal thoughts. Others have said that and think that. I don't think that. 
Maybe you agree. I'm not sure. Some may have put their hope in people helping them this Christmas season. Maybe you say, you know, maybe my parents can help us out or maybe my friend can help us out. We're, we're, we're struggling. We're looking for somebody to help, but sometimes even at Christmas, people aren't so quick to help during what is called the season of giving. You know, because quite frankly, the end of the year can be very stressful for families and things can get pretty tight financially around Christmas. There's a lot of pressure of, you know, buying gifts and maybe extending yourself beyond your means. The season of giving, unfortunately, requires us to still give to our bills. Yes, even in December. Maybe we're like, I don't want to give or I don't want to help out. Jerry Seinfeld said this, and I quote, the true spirit of Christmas is people being helped by people other than me, end of quote. Christmas may not always be the happiest time of the year. For some, it may be more like the crankiest time of the year. It can be a hard time. You might ask yourself, you know, where's the love and where's the joy and where's the the Christmas cheer, you know, for crying out loud? Why can't people just be nice? Since the beginning of God's creation, mankind, by the ability of having his own free will, has allowed, because he can make his own decisions, evil and darkness to permeate this planet. You see terrible things that are happening, and the world seems to be getting worse and worse and darker and darker and You know, I was thinking about this, and maybe you've wondered about this. Have you ever wondered why we put Christmas lights around our home? Why do we do that? Have you ever wondered, like, why do we wrap Christmas lights around our Christmas trees? Well, for some of us, man, we love our lights, don't we? Some of us more than others. I mean, there's just something special about Christmas lights, you know, and so, you know, we'll go to town and you'll drive through some neighborhoods where it just seems like uh, their entire house is just one gigantic Christmas light bulb, you know, and they're only rivaled by Disneyland's It's a Small World itself, you know, that's the house on the street that's sponsored by Sylvania. Did you know in the United States, in the United States each year, we spend about six billion dollars on Christmas decorations in the United States. And a large portion of that is spent on Christmas lights because we just like to light things up. You know, you know this is true. The song doesn't say, may your days be dreary and dark and all your Christmas is wrong. No, it says, may your days be merry and bright and all your Christmas is right. And so we'll light up our homes, we'll light up our trees, our mantles, our staircases, our yards, you know, our roofs, whatever it might be. We like that, and we do that at Christmas. I remember one Christmas years and years ago, and this is the reoccurring conversation piece in our home when it comes to Christmas lights, because yes, I really like Christmas, and yes, I really like real Christmas trees. I don't like fake Christmas trees. Now, some people may do that, and that's absolutely fine. I have some that are very dear to my heart that have fake Christmas trees, and I pray for them every season. (laughs) But I'm reminded each Christmas by Ruth of the first time I decided to decorate my house with Christmas lights. 
We had just moved out of our tiny little apartment where we didn't have anything to hang Christmas lights on, and we were living in our first home. And we were, I was going to make it just amazing. I was going to roll around the door and around. We had these palm trees in the front, miniature palms. I'm going to wrap them and I'm going to go up on the balcony and I'm going to do all of this. And it was nice wood frames so you could use staple guns and get all the right angles nice and tight. And it looks fantastic. I worked tirelessly for hours as I wrapped each tree, made each right angle perfectly so. And then the time had come where I was done. You know like when you set your lights up and you're thinking, oh, now it's just dark enough, I'm going to flip the switch and it's going to be amazing. It was the time for Ruth to see the magnificence of my work project around the house. (laughs) And so she came out and like, honey, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, come outside. And there she was standing, you know, know, a good amount of distance from the front of the house so you could get the full scope of it. And then I flipped the power switch on. And Ruth could not believe her eyes. And she, no doubt, had it in her mind that there was going to be soft, white Christmas lights. Sort of like these little ones here. (laughs) But when I powered on the lights, they weren't the soft light that was expected, but rather such a blindingly powerful, bright white strip of LEDs that it made you think that you had just seen the Shekinah glory of the Lord. (laughs) It was like you were Paul the Apostle on the road to Damascus and a bright light blinded you and knocked you off your horse. Furthermore, it was probably more like Moses up on Mount Sinai that when he returned from meeting with the Lord, his face was glowing. It was that bright. They were so bright you could see them from outer space. Our neighbors, poor things that lived across from us, it was like a spotlight that you would see at the spectrum was shining right into their living room. I mean, honestly, all you needed was a Batman symbol and you would have been absolutely fine. Man, it was not exactly the way I thought they were going to turn out. But did you know that before there were Christmas lights, there were Christmas candles? Do you know what those candles symbolized and what Christmas lights mean even today, they symbolized this, the light that came from that candle or that LED bulb, it symbolized the light of Jesus, the light that Jesus brings to this earth even in the darkest of times. That's what it meant. And so today, we'll drive down our streets and we'll see house after house with Christmas lights, but the people don't even know what they mean. They don't even know why we do that. We'll walk through the malls, we'll listen to coasts proclaiming the birth of Jesus, bringing love and hope and light to the world, not knowing really what it means. Darkness, the absence of light. And you'll see that there is such a great darkness when man is void of the light of Christ. Estranged from God because of his sin. But even as before the world was created and darkness was hovering over the face of the earth, God said, let there be light. And there was, so too today, God can command light to shine in your life. 
in the beginning. Remember, it says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And so even as physical light pierces the darkness, so too in our own lives, Jesus, the spiritual light, pierces through the spiritual darkness in this world. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. God has the power to speak light into existence. God has the power to change your life, to forgive you of your sins, to give you everlasting life. But because of sin and man's free will to reject God, darkness has covered the world. A spiritual darkness that came from man's disobedience, from Adam and Eve's decision, man became enslaved to sin. But yet once a year, once a year, will string lights up at night. We'll wrap garland and lights around our staircases. We'll get our tree and hang ornaments and lights. And they're best seen at night when it's dark. That's the way Jesus' light shines. In man's darkest hour, God gave the greatest gift. This man that would be known as the Messiah, as Jesus Christ, who would say, I am the light of the world, shines in man's darkest hour. And so we see that there is the light of the Lord, and then secondly, we see the glory of the Lord. And as Hudson and Austin read earlier, one Christmas evening when there were shepherds tending their flocks, now in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Interesting. Jesus said that he was the good shepherd and that he would lay down his life for the sheep. The shepherds there in Bethlehem were guarding their sheep. They were protecting them. At the time when predators, wolves, and the like would seek to harm the sheep, the shepherd would lay down in front of the entrance to the corral or the pen, the barricades that had hedged the sheep in. He would lay himself across the entrance. There was only one way in and only one way out. And if someone was going to hurt the sheep, he would go through the shepherd first. And if the sheep were to leave, they would have to go through the shepherd first. And there they were, just another night in the town of Bethlehem, doing their job. Or was it just another night? In Luke 2, verse 9, it says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. There the messenger of the Lord stood before these shepherds. And the first group of people we see in Scripture that were told in a supernatural way were a group of shepherds watching over their flocks by night. The glory of the Lord shone around them. The same light that God spoke into existence. We see the same glory of the Lord shining. This heavenly bright light blaring around them the glory of the Lord. This glory of the Lord radiating is the same glory of the Lord spoken of when the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud to the people of Israel. 
It's the same glory of the Lord that rested on Mount Sinai. It was the same glory of the Lord that was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. It was the same glory of the Lord that filled the tabernacle and the temple that Solomon built. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And it says in verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. You know, in this world, there's a lot of things to be fearful of. I'm not just talking about phobias. I'm just talking about life in general, concerns and stress and worries. And I love that the very first thing that he tells these guys, that the glory of the Lord, as the glory of the Lord is shining, he's like, do not be afraid. 48 times in the Bible, that exact phrase is used, do not be afraid. It's something that the angel, maybe even if it could be the same one, who knows, said to Joseph before he was married, to Mary, don't be afraid. It was the phrase spoken to Zacharias before his son, John the Baptist, was born, don't be afraid. It was the same phrase spoken to Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the angel let her know that she had found favor with the Lord. Don't be afraid. And now it's the same phrase that we read of here in Luke chapter 2, shared with the shepherds in the story that we're looking at this morning. When you're in darkness, with it comes great fear. You know, we touched on this earlier, but why is there fear? Have you ever, I mean, I I wonder about these things and I, I ponder certain things, but maybe you have too. Why is there fear associated with darkness? I mean, is it because, you know, there's something scary lurking around out there? You know, I, I can't see it and it can hurt me. I don't know what it might be. And when you're in the dark, you can be seriously injured. You know, driving your car at night without the headlights on. I remember numerous times coming down from Big Bear after, you know, either, you know, hanging out up there or speaking up at a, a retreat or camp. And sometimes it gets so foggy, you can't even with your lights on see anything. You can get injured. It's dangerous. Or how about for those of you that have young parents, or have young kids, parents that you have young kids that like Legos. I mean, talk about a minefield. I can't tell you how many times in the middle of the night I've stepped on a Lego in the pitch black. A Lego piece from hell, as it were. And the only thing that overcame my pain was my concern of waking the kids up as massive explosions of ouch were going off in my mind. I mean, now we really have to be careful because Hudson likes, I mean, Harrison likes dinosaurs. He inherited them all from from Hudson and you don't want to step on a triceratops horn. (laughs) FYI. Get your tetanus shots. (laughs) True also is the danger of living in spiritual darkness where your eyes are blinded to the great blessings found in Jesus. True. You don't realize the amazing gift that was given by God to this world that we celebrate each December. Salvation through faith in Jesus where there will be no more pain and no more sorrow or fear of what happens after this life. Death has no victory. So the angel of the Lord appeared to these shepherds and he told them, do not be afraid. Why? If I were to tell you today, hey, don't be afraid. Is it going to be because my anecdote would be, hey, it's all going to work out in the end. 
He tells them, hey, I got a good feeling about this. No. Why weren't the shepherds to be afraid? For there was good tidings for the world and there was great joy to be celebrated because look at verse 11 in Luke 2. It says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior is born. The Messiah. The Messiah. You remember, and they shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And this will be the sign to you, verse 12, Luke 2. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, in verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men can't even imagine what that must have looked like. The glory of the Lord shining with that one angel, now a host of heavenly angels singing, praising God on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What a timely word for us today. And you know what? That word has been timely for every generation that has come. For the shepherds, they were under the oppression of Rome. For the United States in 2018, you see the world around you. And what our world needs this very day is peace on a planet that is ravaged by war and under the constraints of sin. Goodwill from God toward men. When man had no goodwill toward his fellow man and was an enemy of God. At a time of great darkness and oppression in history, the light of the world came into the world. The creator of the universe became a man and lived among his people. What are you looking for this Christmas season? Are you looking for life? Are you looking for the light at the end of the tunnel? Listen to what it says in John chapter 1. It says, in Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And this was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Here today, if you do not know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior, understand this very simple truth that in Jesus you will find life, and you will see Him shining even in the darkest area of your life. It's for you today. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And this is what we are celebrating again right now. Christmas weekend, it's here. The birth of Jesus. We celebrate the promises of God that if you follow Jesus, you will not walk in darkness. But see, if you're in darkness... You can't stand the light. And it's really the simple truth for why people hate what Jesus is all about. That's an unfortunate thing. They don't realize when they sing, what child is this? That that child is the Son of God. 
they don't realize that with every light that they string, they're actually placing around their home that which represents the light of Jesus shining in the darkest hours of life. The same God who said, let there be light, is the same God who will allow the light to shine in you. The same thing. The same exact thing that happened when the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So too we see from the scripture that through faith in Jesus, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. But there are some They can't stand the light. They don't want anything to do with it. The Bible tells us in John 3, verses 19 through 21, that this is the condemnation. This is the judgment that's come upon the world. Some people think, oh, God's not fair. God's mean. I don't like God. But here's the truth of the matter. The condemnation that's come to the world is this, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. So if you have somebody in your life or if you hear today and you'll say, you know what, I'm here in church because it's Christmas. It's not for me, it's for my aunt. It's not for me, it's for my in-laws. It's not for me, it's for grandma. Very clearly, for any of us, any person that walks on the face of this earth, if you reject the light of Christ, it's because, if we reject the light of Christ, it's because our deeds are evil. And we love doing those things more than coming to the light of Christ. And that's the condemnation. And you know whose fault that is? It's not God's. It's ours. If we choose to reject that light, it's because we're practicing evil. But then it doesn't stop there in John 3, even though 19 and 20 of John 3 are like eye-opening. It says, but he who does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And so even in light of the last three verses, I'm going to invite you today that if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus today, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's as simple as accepting Him or rejecting Him and you either love your evil deeds or you come to the light. There is no way around it. There is no option three or option C. It's either one or two, A or B. You're either in or you're out. And there is not a greater time than right now to put your faith in Jesus. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, Jesus, the light of the world, that you would not perish in sin, but have everlasting life. This is the true light that comes into the world. This is the reason for our season of Christmas. It doesn't matter how far gone you think you are or how many mistakes you have made. It doesn't matter how deep in darkness you may be. For as it says in Matthew 4, 16, it says this. Listen, because some people may think I'm too far gone. I've done too many bad things. I can't see the spiritual hand in front of my spiritual face. This is what it says. The people who sat in darkness 
have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? I can't see it. Where's the silver lining? Where's the good in this situation? It is Jesus Christ and Him alone. This is what we need. This is what Christmas is about. This is the reason for the season. And so I invite you today that if you've walked away from the Lord, come back to Him. If you're living in darkness, open your eyes, see the light, come to it, confess your sins, be forgiven, and look back and say, you know what, on December 23rd, 2018, I committed my life to follow Jesus. I understood that the true light that was in this world is Jesus Christ, and I either love my evil ways and will continue in darkness, or I will repent and turn from those things and come to Christ and find forgiveness and find fulfillment and find that changing power of the Holy Spirit working in me. And this is the message, John 1 verse 5, that says, this is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Jesus said in John 12, 46, and I have come as a light to shine in this dark world. That's what Jesus said. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me, John 12, 46, will no longer remain in the dark. Turn the light on. Flip the switch. Put your faith in Jesus today. For it is God, it says as we conclude, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. You remember from Genesis chapter 1. Let there be light. And there was light. And it was good. In 2 Corinthians, he says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's where we're at today. That's what Christmas is about. And so, if you don't know Jesus today, give your life to Him. Put your faith in Him. I'm going to invite you, and we're going to close in just a moment and pray. But I'm going to ask you if you want to give your life to Jesus today. And then I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer of faith to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe it's been some time since you've been to church and you're here back now and you've heard this and now it's your opportunity to put your faith in Him. It's your choice alone to make. But remember... From this point on, you're accountable for those things. Every Christmas light you see as you head back out, it doesn't matter if it's wrapped around pavilions or your Charlie Brown Christmas tree, that light represents the light of Jesus shining even in the darkest times on this planet. Every song you hear on the radio, in the mall, or wherever you may be, it's speaking of the light that came into this world. And what a great gift we've been given. What a great gift we've been given. You know, one year, my great-grandma, I know it's kind of sad, but she had a great sense of humor. She fell down. And 
she knocked out both of her front teeth. And I'll never forget her sitting there saying, all I want for Christmas are my two front teeth, my grandma Shockley. Please don't be offended by what I said about the fruitcake. But what a great time for us to be alive. What a great time for us to realize what Christmas is all about. There's a lot of commercialism. There's a lot of things you never knew that you always needed to have. So let's not forget the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. So we're going to close with prayer. I'm going to invite those of you that may need to rededicate your life to Christ or if you've never given your life to Jesus, that you would put your faith in Him today. And then tomorrow, we're going to be back here at 5.30 for our kids' play, our Vision Kids choir performance, a time of Christmas carols and singing and just celebrating this Christmas weekend together as a church family. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you have given us your son, the light of this world. And Lord, right now, specifically, I pray for those that may not know you personally. Lord, your word is very clear for why people choose to reject the light. And Lord, that could be a very hard thing to hear. That can be a very difficult thing. It can be offensive to some. It can be discouraging to some. It can be convicting to some. I pray for conviction. I pray, Lord, for an overwhelming sense of your love for each person that is here or that is watching this. I pray, Lord, that they would come to you with all of their heart, with all of their life, and and say, Lord, I give my life to you today. And with every eye closed and head bowed, very simply, if you're here and you have never given your life to Jesus, or you have walked away from the Lord, and maybe you would say, you know, at one time I was following Jesus, and I'm not now. And it's very clear. And I've seen the things that are in my life. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you know in your heart that you need to be right with God, then I'd like to lead you in a prayer of dedicating or rededicating your life to Christ. But you're going to have to make that decision. You've heard what God's Word says, and there is not a better time than I think, even in Christ, than Christmas, to say, Lord, I receive your gift. Through faith in Jesus, I receive salvation and forgiveness of sins. And so if that's you here today, then very simply, if you need to make that commitment to the Lord, I'm going to ask that you, whether you're here in person, watching this online, that you would raise your hand and say, yes, I would like to give my life to Jesus today. Would you hold your hand up so I could lead you in a very simple prayer? Anybody else? Just raise your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Today's the day. Nobody's looking around. God bless you too. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. That's why we're here. You don't have to wait to January to start doing things right. You can get the ball rolling ahead of time and say, you know what? I'm going to make that resolution now to follow Jesus. Anybody else? Would you please raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. 
Right on. God bless you too. Great. For those of you that raised your hands, and even if you didn't, and you like to pray this prayer and commit your life to Jesus today, would you please just keep your eyes closed and your head bowed and repeat after me and pray, Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I have sinned, but I ask that you would forgive me of my sin and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I thank you that you have forgiven me of all my sin. Would you fill me with your love and your joy and your peace? And would you give me your strength that I may be who you have created me to be? For I give control of my life to you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for these men and women that have made that decision to pray that prayer. And Lord, I ask now that they would know that your word tells us there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who no longer walk after the lust of the flesh, but walk according to the Holy Spirit. So Lord, today I pray as they start the beginning of the rest of their life, Lord, following you, that they would repent now, turn from their sin, confess it to you, for you're faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And so Father, we thank you, Lord, for this great time that we've had to gather together. We thank you, Lord, for the great work that you have done Would you fill our hearts with your joy, with your peace, and may we be as Jesus, shining as lights in this world that people see us, the way we live, the way we communicate, the way we treat others, and glorify you, our Heavenly Father. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.